this is episode number six since I released the episode yesterday. No, not yesterday, Saturday or Sunday. But uh, I have a special guest here today, Maryland title guy, Chris Baker. How are you doing today? Doing good, Carlton. Thanks for asking. I love being a special guest. I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, definitely special. You've been uh, bearing with me through this long journey of re-recording and I just hope this, no, not hope, this this will be the one we know that will lead off on positivity. So, Chris, before we actually begin, can you tell the people a little bit more about yourself, about your experience as also a realtor and a, your current experience as a title agent? I can. Thank you for this opportunity. So, my name is Chris Baker. I am a settlement officer, closing agent, title guy. Uh, with Liberty Title out of Anne Arundel County. Um, I've come from the real estate world. I've grown up in this business. My mother was my broker. I got licensed in 1996 as an actual agent. Uh, went through that career path until 2003 when we started a title company and I got licensed as a title agent simultaneously being a realtor. Um, transition out of the title business back into full real estate uh, in around 2017, uh, I rode that wave for quite some time. And then when COVID hit, um, things started to change. My son got a little bit older and I decided I'm going to get back into the title business. So I'm back as of May of this year, full-time as a title agent, uh, retired my real estate license. Uh, and now I'm devoting my entire full-time career to helping agents such as yourself and mortgage lenders who are now my clients, as opposed to the general public that was before my real estate career. That was an amazing answer. I appreciate you for coming on again. Of it's course. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so we were just talking about ground rent, and you know, I, I recently released a video on you know, what that is. Very, very, uh, a very quick explanation of it. Can you explain it from a title sense, what ground rent is? So I'm by no means an expert on it, but you get a lot of experience when you're in this business uh, dealing with properties that are owned ground rent. Uh, a, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, we're all familiar with the, the term fee simple probably where you own the house, you own the land below you and the air rights above. It's one of those common things you learn in real estate 101. Well, unbeknownst to a lot of people, um, there was an option that was very prevalent here in the Baltimore surrounding areas called ground rent or what we call a leasehold estate, where essentially you, the homeowner, do not own the land beneath you. You own the physical structure, but the land below you is owned by the ground rent holder. And this was a popular way to purchase homes back in the day uh, and, and up until recently where there was not necessarily as high a cost to accumulate property because you're not purchasing the land below you. However, when people bought a house that was held in leasehold ground rent status, uh, they were responsible for paying a ground rent amount to the holder of that ground rent. Now, we were talking about a nominal amount. This was not anything extravagant. I mean, some of these properties uh, that date back many, many years, you know, you're paying 45, 50, maybe 60 bucks. But these ground rent holders were able to hold leasehold estates for all these properties. And it, uh, it became difficulty for a lot of people because in order to transfer clean title, you have to have the ownership rights free and clear of any liens, defects, or judgments. And sometimes it was very difficult to obtain 
who the actual ground rent holder was, especially on some of these older properties that are approaching 100 years old. So Maryland had decided that no more ground rent was going to be established. I can't remember exactly the year, but it was probably about three, four, maybe five years ago where no new ground rent could be established. And those uh, that were looking to redeem the ground rent, in other words, convert it from ground rent to a leasehold or a fee simple, free and clear property, could go through a process of redemption where you could um, pay if you happen to know the ground rent holder uh, to have it redeemed and the deed converted. Well, the problem was was not a lot of people could find the actual ground rent holder. So the state of Maryland set up a process where you can go through the SDAT, the State Department of Assessments and Taxation, uh, and we, the title company, can assist in this. We would hold three years of the ground rent um, to pay off if that ground rent holder came forward we could then redeem it and pay it off. But once three years passes, if it doesn't come forward and they don't get it, then it's automatically converted to fee simple. So a lot of people aren't aware they can do that. But if you're ever interested in learning more about the process, reach out to me and I'll be happy to uh, to assist you with that. That's perfect. And where can they actually reach out to you, Chris? Oh, great question, thank you. Uh, Note over social media as Maryland Title Guy, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can reach me at MarylandTitleGuy at gmail.com or you can reach me, text me at 443 510 8388. You kind of froze up on me a little bit. <laughs> no problem, I know. Technology. Yes. No little buffer, but it's all right. Can you, can you repeat that last part again? So my best way to reach me is MarylandTitleGuy at gmail.com, MarylandTitleGuy on all the socials, or my phone number is 443-510-8388. That's perfect, perfect. Thank you for that, Chris. Mm-hmm. I also learned from, you know, Hear from the stories from my uh, mentor Melvin. He uh, talks about you know, a lot of a lot of agents, you know, might be showing buyers homes and they don't really look at the property details and see whether it's an HOA or ground rent. And then you know, when they get to closing, and perhaps of course probably like a month or so or even longer, they might get like a a, a bill in the in the mail for ground rent. And they didn't know what that is beforehand. And, contact the agent, agent can possibly get in trouble for misrepresentation. So how important do you think it is for agents to really be meticulous in a home search process and helping a buyer, you know, avoid unnecessary fees? I love this question because I I, I don't want to attribute it or chalk it up to laziness, but there are a lot of lazy agents. Uh, Most of them are awesome. And occasionally you come across people that take for granted that they can take a buyer out, get a house, get under contract, and sell them a home rather quickly. It used to be pretty long process for that to happen, but with the advent of technology, it just happens so quickly sometimes that people don't do their due diligence. And I think on that note, especially a ground rent, your failure as a fiduciary representing a buyer and or a seller, um, you should be uh, held to a higher standard because you are licensed to protect the general public. So one thing about ground rent that a lot of people don't know is that if a seller fails to disclose the existence of ground rent and a buyer buys a home and finds out at the settlement table or after closing that there is a ground rent deed, then that seller and potentially that agent could be liable for up to treble damages or three times the amount of damages to rectify that because 
you know, a buyer is going to make their decision based on the, the, the factual information on the property. However, I think a lot of it's unintentional. I know that I had this experience as an agent. You rely a lot on public records and sometimes the data that's in the, in the, in the internet is not always as accurate. And sometimes the homeowner just doesn't know. Maybe when they bought the house, they weren't told about it. Maybe they had no knowledge. Maybe they inherited it. Uh, so doing your due diligence as a buyer's agent, there's got to be a limit. You're not going to know everything about anything. But if you have a partnership with a good uh, title company, in the, in the example, what I do with my agents is I would suggest you reach out if you're interested in a property and have the title company pull the deed. It's free to do. We can look at the deed and review it and we can go back uh, to the prior owners and see if at any point in time there was a ground rent or an estate or a death or something so that we can give you at least a general idea. You're not always going to get the HOA documents because that's not always public record, but having a partnership where you could reach out to someone that can say, hey, Chris, take a look at this. Can you give me an idea of this? You know, that's, that's pretty smart um, to be able to do that because and nowadays you don't want to be on the hook for misrepresenting a buyer or a seller for information that you could have easily accessed. And remember, the public puts a lot of faith in us as professionals to know what we're doing. So just imagine that conversation that you would have to have after that happened where you had to have egg on your face and go back and say, well, I didn't look that, I didn't know. How was I supposed to know? Is that really going to fly? You paid, got paid a commission to represent them. So I think most of the time, do your best, pull the tax records. If anyone likes to know how to access the Maryland land rec or plats.net and pull these tax records and deeds, it's free to do. If you look right in the MLS listings, you'll see the library and the folio, which just means book and page number. You put that into the system and it'll pull up the deed and sooner or later you'll be able to do that yourself and I'm happy to show you how to do that. But um, just be smart, be cautious and always look out for your client because that's what you're paid to do. That's, that's an amazing answer. I also uh, just came up with that question off my off the top. Winging so. it. I love it. Off the top of the head. I love it. Keep them coming. I appreciate it. So the, uh, of course, a couple of these questions you already answered already try to ask, ask them in like a, another type of way. So with your experience as a realtor, um, yeah, with your experience as a realtor and you know, your current experience as a title agent, how does, you know, you know, with the prior knowledge of that tie into how you do business as, as your current role? I love I this. Uh, I think, I would say I have a very unique perspective as a current title agent having formerly been a realtor now we're only talking about a recent transition as of three months ago i have a perspective having been in your shoes as a realtor and knowing what it's like nowadays to work with the, pu the public in selling and buying homes and all that's involved from cold leads all the way up to the closing table i understand what agents need most of the time because i was one i know the difficulties in navigating a transaction and for the general public everyone seems to think it's easy money being an agent and it's farthest from the truth because as I've mentioned before the realtor agent in this case is the quarterback of the transition this transaction this is the the, uh, the the metaphor I like to use because you literally are in control of directing where the transaction goes you have to communicate with all parties involved you have to open the doors write the contract prepare and present the offers negotiate with the other agents handle the inspections uh, make sure that all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed 
get the keys. There's so much involved and keep in mind, you're not getting paid until it goes to closing. So if it doesn't go to closing and it doesn't settle, then nothing is accomplished. So having that knowledge of what an agent's looking for, I think helps me in my job now because my clients are realtors and the mortgage lenders. So I know how important it is to communicate, stay on top of things, anticipating problems and letting the agents know what challenges we might anticipate or face before they become a hurdle that we cannot overcome. So I think if you're partnering with people and surrounding yourself with team players that are all trying to accomplish the same goal, and this is with inspectors, mortgage lenders, uh, fellow agents, everyone that's there to help you with your success, that's when you grow. That's when you become uh, a better agent or a better title guy is I just surround myself around a team of people that do what they do best and get me what I need and I try to do the same for them as our partners. Thank you. I get a lot of inspiration from this is speaking on Hopefully. Do my very best to serve all my clients and anybody just asking a question because it's always nice to have somebody ask the resource. So have you ever had any experiences um, you know, just walk around and just somebody has like a question or you just hear like a conversation like, oh, the market's doing very terrible and you might you know, butt in and you know, provide some perspective to a, to a bad market? I think once you get your real estate license, especially speaking from the agent point of view, you constantly have this radar up and, and this goes back to a conversation I have with all my buyers at the end of closings. You may have heard of the the, the, the system in our minds called the reticular activator system. And people go, what, what is the RAS, the RAS system? And I learned this from Tony Robbins, the motivational speaker. He says, and he uses the analogy of, imagine you are dreaming of buying a red car. Let's just say Corvette. And you want that red car, it's all you think about. And you finally achieve that goal and you get that red Corvette and you're living your dream. Well, what do you notice immediately when you start driving your red Corvette is everyone else seems to have a red Corvette. That guy over there has a red Corvette, that guy. And it was because you weren't paying attention at the time until you've put your focus on it that you started realizing all these other red Corvettes. Same thing with anything. If you start thinking about a particular food, you're gonna start thinking and seeing and hearing that food. The same thing with hearing. If you hear a particular topic, in this case, real estate or anything to do with real estate, you can naturally tune out all the other conversations around you. But if you hear, I'm looking to buy a house or I'm selling or I'm financing, boop, you perk up like a dog, you hear that conversation and this happens all the time. I'm at the gym and at restaurants. You can't naturally help wanting to like lean in and depending upon the circumstances, you wanna, you know, you don't wanna overstep your bounds because I think that a lot of people in this business can sometimes come across abrasively or maybe even inappropriate. And you don't wanna have that connotation that you're a used car salesperson and nothing against car salesmen, it's just there's a reputation of some, sometimes people see, oh, that's, that's just the agent, he's trying to make a quick buck. I think that we're professionals and like any professional, we have a need and a service that we offer. And if you handle the biggest investment of someone's life and you're careful about it and you're diligent about it and you're genuinely caring about the person, then then you want to be involved. But I think by offering you know your advice, make sure it's not always unsolicited. Sometimes it's good just to have a conversation, ask questions before you even let them know you're in real estate. First, be a friend. 
um, before you start asking for business because I think that's a lot of problem, people's problems. They come off like, you want to buy? You want to list? You want to sell? What can I do? Or, do you know anyone that's buying? You think you know anybody's listing? And you come across as needy and people are like, I don't want to work with you. You see, all you want is the commission. And there are a lot of agents that are like that. Um, I think if you're genuinely concerned about their well-being and you like people and you want to give advice and guide them, people are naturally going to want to work with you. And then they refer you because you did such a great job. So yes, it happens all the time with me. Um, in my life now, I have built up a referral base where I can send out uh, referrals to agents I work with because I don't sell real estate anymore. But it's the same thing in the title business. I don't walk around going, you need title insurance? No one need title insurance? Because then you look weird. So I try to do stuff like I met you. I reach out, I introduce myself, I offer value. How can I help you? What can I do for you? Because naturally one day, you're gonna come across an opportunity and you're gonna need a title company and I want you to be top of mind with me. I'm not gonna beg you, but I'm gonna keep a maintain a relationship with you and help you anytime I can and refer business to you if I can. And that's how this world works. You do that enough, you're gonna set yourself so far above your competition um, I think in the beginning, so people such as you that are, are new to the industry, I think are, it's a valuable lesson to go through the process of what you're doing. You're cold calling, you're hitting the streets, you're talking to people, you're doing all the hard stuff, and you're building up a defense against rejection. And once you realize it's not personal, no one dislikes you, no one hates you, no one doesn't want to work with you, they don't know you. That's all you hear, just overcoming their objections. But someone as is, is, is confident as you are and knows their stuff, you're going to do fine. And just surround yourself with people like me that are, are experts in the industry. And we're all going to want to help you. Because what's the, what is the saying? The, a rising tide lifts all boats. So if you help enough people, you're naturally going to help yourself. And, and I don't mean that in a selfish way. I just think good people helping other good people, everybody wins. Definitely. definitely. So building off of that point you made, it's all about how you come across to people and in the real estate business you know a lot of communication goes on and bad communication can lead to a deal being torn off when they just required a simple fix and mm -hmm. I'm not sure how many people you know realize the importance of being able to not just work with clients but title agent loan officer probably a builder, developer, somebody's neighbor, whatever, right? So how important is communication, you know, not just in real estate, but you know, in walking everyday life as well? I'd say it's the most important because that is all we do is communicate our clients' needs and wants, and we communicate that with, and engage with the other parties with their clients' needs and wants and having to be able to negotiate and come to a medium where it's not a competition. And I think a lot of agents treat it like that, like it's a game, like my side, my people have to win and at what cost you have to lose. I don't look at real estate like this. I think it's not a pie that you can take your piece from and you take your piece and then finally there's nothing left. I think that if everybody helps achieve the same goal, then everybody can be successful. There is plenty of opportunity in business to go around in every aspect of this industry. But communication is so important. And I think the the generation that's coming up versus the generation before, there's a little bit of a coming to a head because with the technology that's available today and the way people communicate now versus the older way of communication sometimes can create a challenge. So you have to be willing to adapt. 
Um, prime example is you and I. I couldn't even imagine uh, a few years ago, let alone you know back in my day when I got started having the ability to have a conference on a computer and video and then put it out to the world. This is absolutely incredible. But you and I both know with our smartphones in our pocket and our ability to text message, call, FaceTime, instant message, DM, social media, there's so many ways to communicate now that it can be overwhelming. But I think a simple hello, pick up the phone or a text message just to let somebody know, you know, you understand them, you hear them and you're all trying to achieve the same goal. But you want to make sure, especially as a, an agent, that you're documenting your conversation because there are certain liabilities as realtors that you're responsible for because uh, you are working on behalf of the client as a fiduciary. So if there's ever any kind of litigation or arguments or, or any kind of uh, dis agreement, disagreements, you want to be able to prove what was said because everything in real estate, as you know, has to be in writing in order to be enforceable, especially the contract. So if a verbal conversation is said, how do you really prove that happened. So a lot of people nowadays are texting. So just make sure you are keeping copies of that text. And I teach my agents how to screenshot the text and, and, and print them as PDFs and save them. So if you ever need to reference them, as my broker would always say, if you ever have to prove something in court, have the receipts. So I don't need to scare anyone away from this business because the problems arise all the time, but not as much as you think. But when it comes down to it, just be a decent person, be kind, but be respectful, especially of yourself. Don't let anybody walk all over you. I don't care how much experience anyone has. You command respect, you know, if you give it. And if someone's treating you bad, you know, let them know. Speak up. But I think uh, communication is probably the most important aspect of this business. And if you're good at that and you genuinely care about people, there's no limit on what you can do. That's a, that's a wonderful answer. <laughs> Sorry, so long-winded. I feel no, like no, a, a father figure. Son, let me tell you how I think you should talk to me. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. Uh, I'm sure plenty of people will find this uh, conversation very, not only uh, entertaining, but information as well. Well, a lot of it's relevant because I am a father. I have a teenager, and the countless conversations I have about the importance of communication, uh, making eye contact, saying yes, ma'am, Yes, sir. Shaking hands. Uh, things that most teenagers, I can say 99% of them don't know how to do. So when people meet my son, they'll, they'll say, wow, he, he acts differently. Well, I've worked very hard. See, he's still a teenager, sure. But I think that the generation, the younger generation, the difficulty now is they're all so engrossed in their phones that they're lacking the interpersonal skills and the ability to make eye-to-eye -eye contact and have conversations. I mean, just like you see out in the restaurants and go out there and eat. Everybody, even couples, are sitting at their phones, staring. Kids are just buried in their videos. There's a time and a place, but if you don't have the ability to have human interactions and read my facial mannerisms and my tone of voice, you can't convey that in a text message. Um, that's an important skill, and if you know how to do that and handle interpersonal social skills, you can. Nothing can stop you. All this technical stuff and 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 paperwork, you can learn that. Anybody can learn that. It's this. Stopping in and actually having a conversation, asking questions, listening. Those are the skills that you need to, to, to develop. We have two ears and one mouth for a reason, as I always say. Listen twice as much as you speak. Uh, that's very, very nicely said. Very, very nicely said. You know, the audience is going to love this for sure. I hope.
Well, it's just my one point of view. Uh, it's a very valid, it's only my wisdom. Visionary, it's a visionary point of view. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but um, you know, speaking about communication, you know, sometimes interpretations can also play a role in how people perceive things a certain way. Um, especially with the title title industry and of course with realtors as well people perceive them a certain way due to either stories or personal experience um but with title title the title industry I'm sorry about that are there any misconceptions that you would want to clarify or bring light on very good question for those that don't know, we're probably the one aspect of the real estate transaction that's least understood. I'd like to say there's the trifecta of a real estate transaction. You clearly have the realtor, the agent who's helping you list or sell. You've got the mortgage lender over here who's providing the mortgage financing. And then we're the third part of that tra transaction that brings all the parties together, conducts the closing, uh, witnesses and notarizing the signatures, and most importantly, issues uh, the title insurance and disperses the funds. So. By the time you meet me, it's usually the last leg on the journey to buying a house. I'm the guy that you're going to meet with at closing that hands you the keys and, and does the documents. You've worked very hard to get this point. You've done your inspections. You've gotten your loan. You've gone through underwriting. You've finally culminated in the day where you meet me. So it's an interesting role to have because I'm one of the first people that introduces themselves in the beginning, but after that, you don't really hear from me or deal with me until the very last day you're involved in this whole transaction. And a lot of people don't understand fully what a title insurance company does, and we kind of have a, an all-encompassing role. We first make sure that there's no liens or judgments on the property, no title issues, the legal rightful ownership is transferring to the party. We're going to, of course, witness your documents and, and your signing and notarizing them. We're going to handle the proceeds and pay off property taxes and the old mortgage and of course pay the realtors and the sellers. But the biggest thing, and not a lot of people talk about, and the whole sole purpose of our existence is, is to issue what is called title insurance. I am a title insurance agent. I have to be licensed to do so. And the importance of title insurance is basically, look, if a title problem arises, an unrecorded mortgage, a forgery, a falsehood, any kind of misindexed lien, that becomes a huge problem for the owners of the property. It becomes a huge problem for the mortgage company that's given you a loan because now they have to rectify that and solve that problem. Well, title insurance basically says, look, for a one-time premium, we will issue title insurance. If a problem rises, we will pay to defend the title and solve that problem. So lenders require title insurance anytime there's a mortgage involved. They don't even give you the option. You're getting a loan, you're buying a lender's title insurance premium. Well, on the other side, there's what is called owner's title insurance. This is protecting you, the homeowner. You're buying a house, you pay for it one time, it protects you as the owner to the property as long as you reside in the home. Well, a lot of people don't realize this, but on the settlement disclosure sheet, it says title insurance owner's policy optional. This is a relatively new concept, and I think that it does a disservice to the public because it kind of glosses over the importance of title insurance, and a lot of agents don't realize the importance of it, and they say, oh, that's optional. That They see this number, this large premium, and they say, oh, you don't need that. And I think that's doing a huge disservice because you're representing your client and looking out for their best interests. So you need to be able to educate your buyers as to the value and the importance of having that policy because you don't want to be the agent that recommended someone waive owner's insurance and then a title problem arises and they're unprotected. Un un and now they have to come out of pocket to pay for attorneys, legal costs, 
anything involved with it, plus the possibility of losing their home. Um, does it happen all the time? But not as much as you would, You do, let's just put it this way, you don't want to be the one person that it happens to and not be covered. So uh, optional title insurance, though that may be true, it is highly discouraged from waiving because you're just holding yourself at risk. If the lender thinks it's important enough to have a policy, I think that you as an owner need to have a policy. So that's my biggest, uh, I guess, misconception is the importance of, of owner's policies. This very big and if anyone has any questions more in terms of detail, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm happy to give you my point of view. And where can they reach out to you, Chris? Again, Maryland Title Guy at Gmail, Maryland Title Guy on the socials, and 443-510-8388 is my cell phone. Oh, that's perfect. So um, as we were doing an interview, I had my uncle come over and try to fix my car. He sent me a text that, that he's done now. I'm just going to run down and get my keys and all. <laughs> I love it. No problem. I love it. A man of all action. Look at that. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be I'll be right back. <laughs> hey, no problem. I love it. Back again. <laughs> sorry, sorry for the wait, Chris. <laughs> oh, I don't mind. I was thinking of having a conversation and talking about something. I was like, "Well, that'd be weird if I just start talking. I didn't know what to talk about." <laughs> no, I, I was. I should. I should have said that because you definitely could. I'm not 
sure if I'm gonna keep this in the video or try to edit it out, but it's I wasn't gone that long. Was it's I? life. <laughs> no, I think two minutes. That uncomfortable silence. I like to talk. I could have been talking. About, I mean, I'm talking to the you, screen. You so. definitely could have. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Next time for sure. If I have to have a make conversation with myself. <laughs> I talk to myself all the time. It's just, you know, when I start answering myself, that's when the problems are like. So you know what? You're just asking yourself for expert advice, right? There you go. Exactly. <laughs> I like that. All right. Now, where were we? We are talking about. I think we are talking about misconceptions in the title business. Oh, right, and understanding right. that. Got you. So I wanted to make, I'm writing down all the time stands for those. I wonder if I have to. Well, questions on this, so when I'm going through making clips of it, yeah, right, I do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to waste my time having to watch a whole video again, and it saves me a lot of time. But um, just have a few more questions for you. Uh -huh. No, the last few questions I've asked has just been, you know, just off the top. So that's that's. That's that's wonderful. I hate asking the same questions over and over. Okay. Because <laughs> we did this thing like, like two times. <sighs> third time's a charm. That's what I said. Yeah, third time's a charm. No. <laughs> so just a little frustration that I'm getting out. But um, with your experience as a realtor, in your current role as a title agent, how does you know, your understanding of the market affect the way that you do? business well knowing the market is important because you want to be able to speak intelligently on it, especially if anybody asks you how my clientele now being a title agent are realtors such as yourself and lenders so knowing the market helps you direct where your attention should lie and I think right now with rates higher than they have generally been especially since covid um, they're more than double what they were before so you have a tendency right now for a lot of people not to be refinancing their loans so i'm not as focused on mortgage lenders and reaching out as much as i am to realtors such as yourself because there isn't a lot of refinancing now now i'm not saying it's not a good idea to have a good relationship with lenders and still work with them because they do have buyers that need homes and sometimes they need title companies and lenders can be a huge partner in, in advocating for you and, and, and convincing them to use your services. So I think knowing the market, you need to know, you know, is it a buyer's market, meaning there's, you know, lots of demand and low inventory or, and low prices, or is it a seller's market where there's very little inventory and high demand can help you determine, okay, where are you going to put your attention? Are you going to work with listing agents? Are you going to work with buyer's agents? Are you going to work with lenders? So I think it gives me a little bit of insight, but everybody's different. Um, I know that when I was a realtor working with buyers, we're generally the ones that help direct the transaction because in Maryland, the buyer chooses the title company and a realtor is usually going to be the one that recommends their choice. So if you have good relationships with realtor partners handling buyers, that's where you get a majority of your business. However, the market shift now is sellers have... Um, a lot of demand trying to buy their homes and sometimes they can negotiate into that offer and instruct the buyer hey 
if you use so-and-so title company, we could, uh, you know, make this deal work a lot smoother and incentivize them to use the listing agent's title company. It ultimately comes down to the buyer. And of course, the buyer has the right to choose. And you want to work with all parties to make sure it works out. But uh, knowing where the market is at any given time gives me the ability to say, okay, who am I going to place my attention and work with? But at all times, I'm working with all three because it's the nature of the business. That's an, that's an excellent answer as always. And since we're on that topic, you know, being in a seller's market, which we currently are, it's very, very tough for new agents out there. As you can tell, since you're also a mentor to new licensees, um, and in this market, of course, you know, starting off as a new realtor, you're doing what I'm doing, the cold calling, door knocking, or whatever type of, type of marketing that you do. Um, so what do you suggest that new realtors do to you know, help them overcome their current troubles or the current issues in the industry, just don't know? Well, I, I'm gonna go back to the, what my mentor, my original mentor broker and someone very close to me, which was my mom, who got me in this business and she always expressed and it hasn't really changed that the listing agent is typically the one that's going to be the one in control in a real estate transaction because thinking from the point of view that they have one house to sell but they have all the buyers agents out in the market that are looking for houses for those clients so if you're out driving around with your buyer client and you're trying to find them a house. Not only are you involved in the time it takes to go to these multiple houses, but then once you find the one they like, you're in this constant competition, especially in today's market, where it can be fiercely competitive. And you can spin your wheels, spin your wheels, write offers, get offers rejected, get outbeat by cash buyers. It can be demoralizing. And it's it's a real, real hustle. It's demoralizing for the buyers, sometimes the agents. It can be very frustrating because you're not getting paid until you bring a, a, a transaction to conclusion versus the listing agent who can take a property, market it, put it in the MLS, and have it sold before the weekend sometimes if it's priced correctly. So you wanna try your best to focus on obtaining and acquiring homes to sell or listings. So you need to know uh, the market really well. I would say as a new agent, you wanna pick an area, a, a, a geographic farm, an area that you can become intimately familiar with, and you master that market. I would pick a neighborhood between two to 400 homes. You have all this data available to the MLS and you want to scour that neighborhood and know everything that's going on there, what the average sales price is, what the average days on market is, what houses are on the market now, what are under contract, what are coming soon, and most importantly, what is sold. I want you to know those houses like the back of your hand. These are why townhouse communities are really easy to get started with because they're all so similar that when one townhouse sells, you pretty much know based on the square footage, the bedrooms and the baths, that every other house is similar to that with a few exceptions like end units. Maybe they have got a little more square footage, but you should be able to tell when a house is coming to the market immediately what the house is going to sell for so that you can use that information to your advantage. And once you master the market and you know that data, you put yourself out into that neighborhood and you become the expert. They say that 97% of homeowners forget their real estate agent's name uh, after the transaction because we don't do a good job following up and keeping in touch. And I'm guilty of this myself. 
So I would say if you could master a market, know the data in that geographic farm and farm the heck out of that community. And what do I mean by that? Um, I don't know if your office, your company, even if yourself can solicit uh, postcard mailers, flyers, door hangers, whatever your method is to get your face and your name out there in such a manner. They did a study a few years ago where they created a fake realtor a fake agency and they sent out postcards and I don't remember exactly but it was something like maybe two postcards a month for six months in that six month period at the end when they pulled the neighborhood they asked who their realtor choice would be it was that person that they had sent out the postcards to because you're top of mind and people are seeing it a lot of problems agents will put one postcard just sold and you never hear from them again so it's an investment and it's going to cost time and energy and effort but if you can get your name and show statistics and show relevancy and get your your the people to recognize you and you can do this now with fo social media you can target zip codes age brackets demographics and pay for advertising and have social media so what you're doing with your podcast with your videos with your posts is you're putting a public persona and public success and, and, and people are going to see that. And then when somebody looks you up and says, okay, does this guy know what he's talking about? And they're going to see all your, your videos and your context. So you're doing the hard work now. And I, I always turn on social media. I see you touring other properties' houses. That's brilliant. You're leveraging the agents, some of these other agents' homes and getting permission to market it. The general public is like, this guy's everywhere. He's marketing homes. He knows homes. Plus, you're getting the experience of what that house is selling for, what the amenities get you for this price point. You want to become an expert at pricing homes. Because remember, a house sells based on what a buyer is willing to pay for it. I don't care what the seller thinks their house worth. I don't care what an appraisal comes in. A house is going to sell for what a buyer is willing to pay for it. And homes sell for way over asking price. Sometimes sales to sell for less because the seller overpriced it. It's what the buyer is willing to pay. So if you know the range of what a property needs to sit in and you can confidently tell a buyer, okay, it's got an extra bedroom or it's got this kitchen or got that, that's gonna add this much value, you're gonna be above the rest of the people. So know the market, know a neighborhood and focus on it like a laser and soon you'll be the go-to expert people call you for that. Then you can branch out and start focusing on you know, expanding your, your database and your, and your market. But that's my advice to new agents. Pick a market and a farm and stick to it. That was excellent. I was a lot, but that, that encompasses years of my brokers and my managers all talking. And the agents that have done that successfully have transformed, transformed their lives. And I've seen all the time agents, I don't care what background you come to. If you put the time, effort and laser focus, you can make this business anything you want it to be. That's amazing. That's 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 an excellent answer. A lot of a lot of new agents. Hope hopefully you're listening to this because I'm definitely taking it all in. I got plenty more wisdom. I'm happy to <laughs> explain. And I, and I think that's the power of this. Is don't mm -hmm. listen to me. I'm not the all saying, all too knowing best answer. I'm one person with my experience, and I've witnessed thousands of agents. So I like to compile what I see other people doing. I think partnering up with a team or someone that has experience and, and learning from them is another real smart avenue because it's great to be on your own, but sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Right. But if you partner with a team that has a system and in place and can teach you the ropes is a great avenue to learn this business because yeah, you might be splitting your commission and paying a fee to be there, but ultimately you're going to learn faster. And I don't think there's any way faster that you could learn than partnering up with a team or a mentor that's willing to 
hold you under their wing and take you out and show houses. That right there is how I've seen most people grow their business. And then eventually, if you wanted to go the solo route, I think you need to go the, the farm. But um, that can be a, a demoralizing, very hard, time-consuming route because you're taking the time to push that, that stone up the hill versus you go with a team that's already established, but it's invaluable learning experience. That would be definitely something to consider. It definitely is. Sorry, just make sure my laptop doesn't <laughs> just die off. I know what you mean. <laughs> that would be terrible. But that, that was an excellent answer. Um, we're about to wrap this up. Just got a couple more questions for you. Again, I appreciate you for you know, joining me on this podcast. Where can the people get your contact to you or reach out to you? Maryland Title Guy at gmail.com. 443-510-8388 is my cell phone or Maryland Title Guy at TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. All the socials, the important one. That's, that's it. I'm sorry I'm uh, making you repeat it over and over, but it's just... No, I like that. The more they know how to reach me because somebody might listen at the beginning, the middle, or the end. Right. So in case they're driving and they can't really multitask legally, but... <laughs> yes, but do not... Text and drive. Right, don't text and drive. <laughs> so, <clears throat> now, now that you're a new title agent, same industry, just a different role, uh, what advice would you give to those considering a similar transition from a realtor to a title agent? Well, when you get to see the fun part, which is usually me at the settlement table handling paperwork and, and doing the closing, which is great. It's my favorite part of the job, uh, meeting new agents, going to lunch, all that's great. But to be part of this industry, there's a lot more involved with it. Um, the, the notary aspect is pretty easy. You can go online, learn how to be a notary, uh, say the oath, pay the commission, and you can get your notary stamp. Not too difficult. Where it does challenge a lot of people is you have to actually be licensed as a title insurance agent. So you have to take a series of classes, then you have to take the state exam and, and pass that. Um, and I'm in this business. I have been in this business for years and I still found it difficult to take the test the second time around um, because it's a lot of legal concepts and, and, and jargon that you don't necessarily use in the business, but you still have to understand. And it weeds a lot of people out. It's, it's in very intimidating. So once you are willing to do that and you partner with a company such as myself that I do with Liberty and you surround yourself around people that really know what they're doing, it can be an incredible business because it's very lucrative if you work with people that you like and you like the business and just like real estate, there's no limit on how much you can make because it's just how hard are you willing to work? How many agents do you want to introduce yourself? How many deals do you want to bring in? Uh, and I love that. So uh, if you want more information about my journey and how I got here, I'm happy to, you know, anyone can reach out to me. But um, it's uh, like anything, if you're willing to put the effort and work into it, you can make it whatever you want. That's brilliant. I love that. <laughs> I try to be well prepared when I do these. Sometimes it's me rushing at the last minute, trying to mm. change and get ready. So I think I did a good job. <laughs> yeah, I apologize. I mean, casual mode today. I didn't have my suit and tie on, but uh, no, you didn't have any clothes today. You're perfect. You're perfect. I'm a human. This is a laid back kind of kind of thing. So I like it. I guess this in a good mood, they can relax and just be themselves. 
So the last question I have for you, and which we uh, spoke on plenty of times due to the re-recordings, and you mentioned earlier how a lot of people are, of course, you know, stuck to the phone and dealing with a lot of technology. How do you see the role as a title agent evolving in the future? I think the industry itself is slowly evolving and actually it's accelerating more now than it did to a point where technology is, I don't know if it's going to replace us, but it's certainly going to impact those who aren't willing to adapt it. For example, a few years ago, it was not uncommon to conduct real estate all with paper and pen. You wanted a contract filled out, you had to write it with pen and paper. I mean, this even, I go back to days when we were faxing it and we were hand delivering contracts. Well, now with the advent of dot lube, zip forms, DocuSign, everything can be done electronically with electronic signatures from your phone. And I've written contracts and accepted contracts, you know, in foreign countries because I just had my phone with me. That is amazing. You can schedule showings now with showing time and never have to pick up a phone. You can use GPS to find your map coordinates. All services we're now used to, but at the time were revolutionary. Just imagine having to drive around with a map and look at a map and know the coordinates that you can find and then print out the MapQuest instructions. No one knows what that's like now because we all have GPS. Same thing with title. I think right now the only roadblock we have is mortgage lenders are very wary about um, going the digital route in terms of loan documents. Now, there are loans that can be e-signed, they call them e-notes, and I'm seeing that more and more. I'm actually seeing a lot of uh, remote mobile online notaries where I've actually conducted closings such as this. The client verifies their identity with their license, the notary accepts it. Um, we're not there yet, but the sooner that becomes prevalent, the sooner real estate transactions are gonna move faster. I think with advents like the blockchain, where uh, transactions can be verified and, and, and determined and not be, uh, even though we can lie about it because they have everything validated through technology, um, that's gonna be very popular. Because right now there's a lot of fraud in the real estate industry in the world and at large with such vast exchanges of money being transferred to the title companies and from buyers to sellers and proceed checks. It's very easy for things to be intercepted now through, through email and there are nefarious hackers out there that will intercept and they target real estate transactions for that very reason. They find uh, communications between sellers and title companies with wiring information and then they imitate or imitate the title company reaching out to that seller and they get their routing number. So that's kind of scary because if somebody steals your money, sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. It's horrific. So we're very adamant about our protection and how we communicate and how it's encrypted and verifying information. So I foresee that with the way the future is going, it's not going to be a surprise in the coming decade where a buyer is going to walk into a home and possibly even open the door with their phone, um, electronically talking to the lock. Um, being able to review remotely with their Apple vision glasses or Oculus and do remote tours. I see that now where they don't even have to go into the house, mobile sign and do everything on their phone. And then maybe at settlement, um, use their thumbprint or a retina scan or a voice imprint uh, to, to, to acknowledge your existence. Because as you know, AI and the prevalence of chat GBT and, and the, and the technology out there it's very very easy now to replicate and impersonate people and with these deep fakes videos they can clone your voice it's happening more and more and more and i think there's going to be a way and a need for you to be able to validate your identity 
digitally so that people know if you are legitimate or not. And on that topic, I think everybody should have a code word for their family so that if you are ever solicited from a family member or, or, or someone that needs money, if they don't know your code word, that's not that person. And it's happening more and more to elderly people where their kids are calling up saying they're in trouble and it sounds like them, it looks like them, and it's not them. Same thing in real estate. I think that there's going to be someone that's going to need to create that. Maybe it's us. We'll come up with that technology that creates the digital identity that says that person is who they say they are because it's just the pace at which this is moving is faster and faster. And it's just so much absurd paperwork. But I think the, the sooner we can streamline that and make it easier for the public to transact real estate and make it easier for the general public, then uh, that's going to explode and that's going to change the world. That's an excellent. But that's my take on it. <laughs> that's a, that's an excellent way to end end it off. To, on a, no, Stay tuned. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see. To, in a couple of years, I'll let you know what's happened. <laughs> but um, that. So all the questions I have for you today, I'll definitely be uh, awesome. Thankful. thankful if you want to come on again sometime, or perhaps ask me Please, questions. Sure, I'm, I'm more than. I'll happy start a podcast, you. and you'll be one of my first guests. <laughs> I, I appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you. You're welcome. I mean, Thank you. Before we get out of here, can you, of course, give out your information? Thanks again. Uh, my name is Chris Baker with Liberty Title, otherwise known as Maryland Title Guy. On social media, you can reach me at MarylandTitleGuy at gmail.com or you can text or call me at 443-510-8388. And I appreciate the opportunity, Carlton. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Now, uh, thanks to everybody listening. Nobody listening right now. I heard we go live on this uh, side of using Riverside, but that's a... Perspective thinking. <laughs> right, right. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's amazing this technology. Well, <laughs> it is. can't wait to hear and watch the video. Just let me know when it's ready, and uh, hopefully, if I can help anyone, just reach out. And let me know. Thank you for your time. I definitely will. I definitely will. Shout out to everybody listening right now. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you learned plenty of information, perspective, insight, and at least be inspired. You know, if you are going through the home buying process, which I am a realtor in the state of Maryland, so if you're looking for somebody you can you know, work with, understand your needs, reach out to me, Carlton Burns Realtor at gmail.com or myself, 360-402-6439. This is the end of episode six of Visionary Voices. Thank you for listening. Take care, everyone. All right, Chris, I stopped the recording. Um, it shows it's uploading up on my screen above your video screen. It says nine. It's like an arrow, and it says upload. So, is it like streaming and uploading live while we're talking? <laughs>